Well, thank you again for joining us. This is my announcer voice. <laughs> Here on the, the Creo Podcast, I am Tim. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit about my story now. I am the lead pastor of a church in Summersworth, New Hampshire. Yes, it is a bustling metropolis, in case you were wondering. Rocking about 11,000 people. Ooh. Yes. Man. Bunch of Tom Brady cult members <laughs> up here. Hey, we can't help it. We get to celebrate with duck boats every year. <laughs> That being said, <laughs> um, my best friend actually is a diehard Jets fan. So God is still at work. Um, Are they still in the NFL? <laughs> barely. They changed their jersey. <laughs> they, ch- <laughs> they changed their jersey. At some point, we're going to get to the podcast. Um, Apologies but- <laughs> to our New York listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we love you too. Jesus does. There are a lot of lost people in New York. Yes. Uh, but a little bit of my story is... Um, I grew up in this community and just had a passion for it. And I was serving at another church and really felt God just sort of pulling me out and putting me into Summersworth. And so my wife and I stepped out in faith and there's about five of us and sort of the slow going and trying to figure things out. And during that time, I was a part of um, like a mentorship program with some some wiser men who have been through the process of planting. And they shared a story with us about what it is to make disciples. And as, as you can see a theme here, we continue to unpack this a little bit more and more. And the story goes a little bit like this, and I will do my best. And if I butcher it, I apologize. But the conversation was around, as you, as you make disciples in your community, what does it look like for you to get them to take on your yoke? And so they share a story of a rabbi. And so this rabbi... Um, is is in Israel and as we get to this you need to unpack this a little bit there's a in Jewish culture you take on the way of your rabbi and so what goes on is early in your life you memorize the Torah and that usually takes about five years and so it takes about five years to put this together you memorize the Torah now if you're good if you're exceptional you move on and you're sort of invited into the next level. And at that point, you memorize the prophets. And so you're memorizing all of the Old Testament. And so it's at this point where you're then asked to take on uh, the rabbi. And so the rabbi invites you in to follow him. And when you when this takes place, it is an all-encompassing event. You take on every aspect. You memorize all of the scripture. You follow the rabbi in his ways. So much so that you literally take on his walk and his form. And so there's this story, he's walking through Israel and he has a limp. And his followers have so deeply connected with him that they begin to take his form. So even though all of them have healthy legs, it is easy for them to walk. They begin to take this on and little by little they walk with a limp and they take on his form. And they were talking about like what it is to be a disciple and to follow Jesus and all the expectations that went into it. And I think when, when we were just off, off air, off mic, off the cuff, whatever you want to call it, we were talking about this and, and you had a great comment about it, Stephen. Um, I don't know if you just want to jump in here. And- well, yeah, it's just as I was thinking about it, that these rabbis would take the best of the best. Yeah. And when Jesus called his disciples, obviously these guys did not make the cut for those rabbis. Jesus chose people. I mean, they were they were fishermen, they were tax collectors, they were I mean, you can they ran the gamut, but they did not qualify 
whether it's they couldn't memorize or they didn't have I don't I don't know what the reason is. That would be me because yeah, exactly. I cannot memorize exactly. a thing. Oh my gosh, I'm, th- I'm thinking about that. The Torah, come on. But in any case, uh, uh, yeah, Jesus calls twelve men that had not made the cut for to to follow a rabbi, and I th- I'm thinking to myself, what. What joy that gives me that Jesus called people like that because that means I can do that too. Yeah. I can answer that call as well. You're saying I, there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> but yeah, the a idea. Great quote from Dumb and Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is that Jesus. Of course, there's this great, there's this great, great phrase that says, uh, "Jesus doesn't." Uh, call the qualified he qualifies the called Hmm. and i love the fact that that sounds like a tweet someone's tweeting that right now (laughs) you hear what steven said (laughs) he nailed it (laughs) then they listen they're done listening to the podcast right there oh we got it all (laughs) someone just fell off i didn't i didn't say it don't quote me so uh but uh but in any case what what um it, it just gives me such a great sense of peace knowing that Jesus takes, even though I am, I would never qualify to follow a rabbi, you know, not just because of memorization. I know my character. I know my flaws. I know all the gunk in my life. And Jesus says, I call you. Hmm. And, and, he, and he qualifies me through his death and his res- resurrection and says, I invite you into my life and I invite you to share in my ministry, share in my kingdom and bringing this to the world. And I, I'm a partaker and, and I feel, I'm a disciple of Christ. And so that's a great encouragement to me that you don't have to. So many of us uh, today feel that I'm not good enough. I, I could I could never be a disciple maker because I I don't know enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. Isn't it amazing in Scripture how every time somebody tried to throw a, an excuse out to God, God was very quick to say, uh, "Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that." Well, you think about Moses in the burning bush, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't duck very good. He's like, well, you know. So uh, or Jeremiah for that matter. You know, yeah. it, it it happens over and over again. Well, partially because God's calling them out of their comfort zone. I just think it's ironically God saying, um, I'm going to choose these unqualified men to show that nobody is qualified and everyone is qualified at the same time. Wow. See, now that's the tweetable thing right there. <laughs> wow. At Mike Gerald, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's right. That's that's very true. It, it, it's it's Jesus is setting the example saying anyone is welcome. There could be no confusion that these men were chosen because of something impressive about them. No. No. And maybe that's the point. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So discipleship. Discipleship. Let's walk with it. <laughs> I don't think we said enough about discipleship last time. Um, so what's, I, it, what's it look like for you? I mean, we... we, we we can say disciple. We we acknowledge that it's not a cl- what it isn't. Last time, yeah, we that's, that's about, what we were talking. Yeah, it's about. not a class. Uh, it's it's not about gaining knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's actually living it out. But in every context, it looks different. I mean, the, there's there's a DNA that Jesus has imparted to us, but how that ex- how that is expressed is different in each one of our contexts. And anyone who's listening, your context is unique as well. But I'm just curious, Mike, what what does disciple-making in your context look like? 
Yeah, put your pen down because I, I I don't think that it's a copy paste kind of thing that, that you want to say. Okay, whatever Mike's doing in Pennsylvania needs to be done in you know Berlin. It's going to look different from place to place, mm-hmm. at context to context. But at the end of the day, we want to look at it and say, what does the life of Jesus look like in my neighborhood? Mm-hmm. So if Jesus lived here. If he walked these streets and ate at these restaurants, what would he do? Where would he go? Um, what would he challenge? And in what ways would he live differently? How would he be refreshing to the people here? One of the ways we do that with with our micro churches is say, okay, um, many of them have identified specific rhythms that they're living out. A number of them are using reach rhythms, which we say rest, eat, act of love, confess, and home. The reason we do that is we just thought about our own neighborhood and said, what is unhealthy here? In what ways does our community not look like the kingdom of God? Because if the prayer is, on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. We really need to be, you know, asking in Walt Disney World as it is in heaven, right? <laughs> in Pennsylvania as it is as it is in heaven. In New Hampshire as it is in heaven. What what does it look like if if Jesus walks here, how how does he change it? And we looked around at our community and said, our people always talk about how busy they are. And I, I think that's probably everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy. we got a lot going on. It's nonstop. It's a badge of honor. We're busy. And we want to be a community that says, we're resting. We're not busy. We're, we're, so we're, we're slowing down. We're people to hear. Yeah, we're doing. It's we're, so hard. We're sl- that we're, is the antithesis of society. Yeah. But we reward it. Yeah. We actually reward busyness. We think that's a, that's it's, something to celebrate. It's the God of the day. In, yeah. In some but it's not even heard anymore. You, you talk to someone, how you do? Well, we're just real busy. It's white noise. Mm-hmm. But if someone says, Hey, what's going on? And you say, we're actually not doing anything tonight. We're going to relax. What? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Who are you? It's unexpected. And it's, frankly, it's good news. And Jesus did it. Jesus Mm -hmm. rested. He slowed down. He took naps. He reclined at the table. And I I think in the same way, it's important for us to say, to follow Jesus means that we rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that we rest like Jesus did. We rest with people in the ways that Jesus rested with people. And coming off of that, the, the next one is eat. I, I think if uh, if you could really have a symbol for for the church, the best symbol for the church, I think, would be a table. Um, not a steeple, a table. And Jesus said he wanted to be remembered around a table, mm-hmm. that it would be the common union around a table, that as we break bread and, and drink wine, we remember Christ. And if if we did that... As, as a community of Jesus followers and said, a way that we're going to live out our faith is by spreading the table like Jesus did. We're going to invite the people that Jesus invited around a table. We're going to show hospitality. We're going to listen more than we're going to talk. Imagine what 
Imagine how many people would be impacted just by inviting people around a table. Acts 2, once again, Acts 2 acknowledges the, the breaking of the bread and, and eating together as a mark of the church. So it's something you can't ignore. Food's on almost every other page of the Bible. And I'm okay it, with that. <laughs> it is a, it's it's the common thing that we that we see in so many of the stories of Jesus. How many of the stories of Jesus revolve around food and feeding people and sharing tables and who we ate with? And if we're to live like Jesus, our faith can't can't be exiled to a building somewhere. I, I do think it's important though when we talk about the table, is what our tables become our Bible studies still. Right. And so, so like we talk about this, like we see Jesus at, at the table reclining, but he, he doesn't pop open. He's not, all right, turn to the Torah. We're going to be in Genesis <laughs> Obviously today. you guys didn't memorize <laughs> yeah, that. Right. So. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, I know you didn't qualify, but he, you see Jesus around the table and all he's doing is engaging those that are with him. And it's, it, I think that's that simplicity piece of, again, of, of what, we're talking about what it is to follow Jesus, like to give our all mm-hmm. isn't overly complex. You you recline at a table and you say, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Sure. If you want to study God's word together, if that's a natural outflow, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can flow into that direction. But to sit someone and say, you know, ask two questions, like, what can I celebrate with you? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I encourage you to think about that one question, ask it to someone and you won't get a one minute re- response. <laughs> Right, they'll begin to unpack it. They'll begin to sort of lay out their day and their week and what has really excited them. And you start to see Jesus in them in that way. Mm-hmm. And then you can turn to him and say, hey, how can I come alongside you? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Like, for, forget anything about busyness. Just like, ask that question. And all of a sudden it begins to be, well, you know, these areas of my life are dark and stormy. And you know what you can do? Right in that moment, you have an end to do show the way of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And and that's that idea again, like the forgotten ways of Jesus in, in some ways is just mm-hmm. his methodology but, around the table. Yeah, it's for us, we say that the most sacred space in our church is the table. Yeah. Because that's where tears are shed. That's where fists are pounded. That's where... Cusses fly. Everything, yeah, yeah, every, you hear everything, it all. Because there's something about a meal where it's an intimate exchange, there's it's just some, a great equalizer, right? It is. It is. But as you're eating and you're opening up to each other, there's just something that happens that even, even a, you know, family dinner. That's why it's so great to be, to eat as a family. But then when you invite others into that same space, something very special happens. Jesus can do things that cannot be done in other, in other contexts. Now, Mike, you were saying that you know, eating leads to acts of... Yeah, acts of love, mm-hmm. um, which for us, we, we found to follow Jesus means that we care about our friends. And our friends that share the table, inevitably, they talk about problems that are going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, chores that they can't keep up with. They had a friend, or, you know, you have a friend whose spouse leaves them and they can't keep up with the lawn work. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, where you say, we'll do it. We'll do your yard work. We'll take care of that. Or people that can't pay a bill. Mm-hmm. We'll pay it. We got it. We'll mm-hmm. take care of yourself and bill this month. We'll cover this. Mm-hmm. 
And acts of love flow out of relationships with people that we love. So rather than us, rather than us trying to um, come up with, well, I should do my act of love for the week or something. By singular, and turn, turn act it into of love. some. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, it, Jesus only loved on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 don't want it to be some sort of ritualistic uh, bullet point checklist of the stuff that we need to do to to feel righteous, but rather. When we're resting with God, we're sharing our table with people that we care about. Um, when we when we actually care about our friends, we're going to want to care for them and the needs they have and the struggles that they're going through, and that that leads to natural acts of love. And we talk about other friends. I got a friend who's going through whatever, and I have a neighbor that's dealing with this sort of thing. Natural stuff that comes up in conversation when you're sitting around a table for two or three hours, mm-hmm. and laughing and sharing stories and things are coming up. You you naturally hear hear about needs and things that are happening in the community. And that leads us to what are we going to do about it? Let's do something together. And there's your adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Every time. Step out and do something. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and we, we added in the word confess or confession because we don't think that it can be assumed. Humility can't be assumed. And we did not want our, our rhythms as a community to... Um, be about the achievement that we're doing and how impressive we are. Look at me. I've got these awesome rhythms I'm living into. I'm an A-plus Christian. I'm knocking it out of the park. So we said it, it, it really is important and honestly refreshing to sit around a table and go, what's the biggest way you bombed it in the past week? Well, and that's what's great. Like even about this podcast, like as we, as you hear this, I hope you hear a group of guys right now that are having a conversation that are just as flawed and messed up as you. And we're just trying to unpack a little bit of what it is to give yourself over to following Jesus wholeheartedly. And I think about in our, in our church body, in our setting, we, um, we always ask the question in each of our groups, uh, what does it look like to be like, we call them small groups because we're not cool. We don't have, we're not missional communities, you know, whatever. It, I, it, they're all the same thing to me. Um, but in, in each of those, we ask the question, like, what does our small group need? Not what do we want our small group to be? And I think those moments of confession begin to come out naturally in that moment, as opposed to like us juxtaposing or putting some specific requirement into that moment of what it needs to produce, the disciple that it needs to produce in that moment, the person that you need to be, it, it sort of begins to unpack like who you are set free to be. Confession and humility have to be modeled. Hmm. And that's that's so important. You can't, like Mike Why said, is that you so can't hard? assume. Why is that so hard? Because we don't want to be humble. We, because we're not. We're, we're not. I'm not humble. I want to be. I'm working on it. And Jesus is little by little. But it's not something. That's why I love grace. But that being said, is <clears throat> I, I would rather put forth the things that I'm good at. I, I, as, and as leaders, as church leaders, to show transparency is to show vulnerability. Humility bonds us. Though it, that's it. It, it that's truly it. does. It's, I, think and, it, I think it's a deception of the enemy. Yeah. That to to say that no no you if you do that you'll be rejected. Christians should be the chief confessors. Absolutely. We should be known for not having to hide our brokenness because our our sin 
our brokenness, our imperfection has been paid for. And so we're able to say, we're messed up and we're really messed up. And we made a mistake the other day. We made a mistake this morning. On my way here, I sinned. Mm-hmm. And to to be able to say that and live in a freedom of, and Jesus has paid for that, and I'm free, and I'm loved, and I love him. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. That's that's beautiful. And people aren't used to it. If if you listen to your friends, they're defending themselves. They're attacking others because they they feel wronged by someone else. Very rarely do you hear people talking about, man, let me tell you about how I blew it. Talk about how their wife blew it. They talk about how their husband blew it, how their neighbors blew it. But to authentically say, here's where I drop the ball. In our weakness, he's strong. And that is, that, it, it, what, and that, it's amazing. I mean, each one of us, and I'm sure anyone listening, can point to stories where they have admitted their weakness and seen God show up in a very powerful way. But yet we are still convinced by the enemy to hide the scars, to hide the open wounds for that matter, and to put put your best foot forward because that's what's expected of you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time that that has to be flipped. And and I, I've just learned in my own experience that there's a respect and there's a trust that is built by, oh, you too? You wrestle with that mm-hmm. too? And there's a, you know, I've always said that weakness, when we confess our weaknesses, it connects us to somebody else. And Jesus is able to build a bridge. Not We don't connect through strengths. We connect through weaknesses. Nobody's ever said, I want to follow Jesus because of how awesome you are and how altogether you have it and impressive you are. I hope they don't say that. <laughs> that's, that's an illusion, guys. <laughs> they, they actually, if they feel that someone seems to be perfect and have it all together, Ooh, they, they, they want to get away from that person. They yeah. don't want to be a part of that community. Mm-hmm. And humility um, causes people to go, man, I, good, I'm not alone. But and the, these these other people are also broken and flawed, but they admit it. But that also, that mentality creates the celebrity pastor. Mm-hmm. The idea of, oh, he's, he's better and he's more gifted and he's more... And we've seen what happens in those environments when we start elevating people above... Uh, and... and, and you know, I'm not going to point fingers, but to allow that to happen, to have that, to allow someone to elevate my walk with the Lord as better than somebody else's is a very dangerous position for me to be in. Mm. And so it's very important to to confess and to be transparent and to say, look, examine my life. It's, it is, it's a mess, but look at what Jesus has done. Look at how he's taken the brokenness of my life and has restored, is restoring. Yes, I break it again and his grace covers. Look at how this works. That's it. That's it. But there is, I do not have it together better than anybody else. And it's very dangerous for me to assume or to let somebody else assume that. And it, I think as we elevate them, we forget ourselves a little bit in that story, right? Projection. Right? Because it's like all of a sudden... <laughs> We forget this idea like, oh, I am also a disciple mm-hmm. and I'm walking alongside this individual mm-hmm. and it's my job to hold them accountable. It's their job to hold me accountable. Like it's everything is this two way street, but mm-hmm. it's become so isolated and so insular that it looks only in one direction yep. that we forgot our role as a disciple first and foremost. Paul said I, the, you know, that verse where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. 
or in some versions, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I always thought when I when I first read those verses, you know, over the years, I thought, what what an egomaniac. You know, but what Paul is actually saying is, hey, when you see me following Christ, do that. But if I'm not following Christ, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That is transparency. Yeah. The gospel does free us from the need to pretend that we're impressive. That's really good news. And I think I think that's the key, right? Learning to live into that. Mm-hmm. Learning to live that we can be set free in that. And as we like fight for who God is calling us to be, to fight to, into this need that we don't need to be impressive because it will be counter everything that we know that there's freedom. Mm-hmm. And there's freedom like unimaginable. And I think that's really like one of those pieces that like when, mm-hmm. we, when, when we can grab a hold of that, Mm-hmm. And like firmly live within that, it it changes us. Nothing forever. to prove. Yeah. I have nothing to prove. Because there's, it's just, I mean, it's I'm without words. Yeah. Right? Right at the end of that, you you don't even have to go love your neighbor, right? You are free. Your imperfection and your brokenness has been paid for. You are loved, whether you perform or don't perform. But truly, as a follower of Jesus, it is more fun to love your neighbor than to live in selfishness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it isn't this sense of you better go do that so that you can somehow achieve God's love and favor. Mm-hmm. You already have the love and the favor of the Father. But it is way better to eat the feast than to drink out of the toilet. <laughs> It is, and and I'm, and, and it is. It is. It is I'm a not toilet. Drinking out of, I'm I'll not drinking I'll, out of any toilet. I will take your word so. for it, Mike. It's a toilet of selfishness, and and it's, it, it's suffocating, man, mm-hmm. to to live so in that pride and selfishness. So true. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Is didn't even do the last rhythm. I did. Oh, oh, stink. (laughs) Hey, you know what? We're not done. Yeah. (laughs) Stick around for the podcast. (laughs) Share the last rhythm. The last one. H is home. (laughs) That was assumed. We were assuming you were doing this in your home. Home home life is important. And we we talked about how broken families are. Mm Mm-hmm. And how there's a need for families to share the table together. Mm-hmm. How many families don't do that? And talk about the the truths of God and talk about God's grace. Um, even as you're pushing your kids on the swing or taking walks around the neighborhood, that faith should connect with our life and that we are good news to the people that we live around. Mm-hmm. And our kids are a part of the mission in the neighborhood. Mm. And that's all so significant. I think when we separate our faith from our family life and think that we've got men's ministry over here, women's ministry here, kids ministry here, but you're all doing something separated from each other and not integrated into the way that we live together as a family. I'm not saying those things are bad. It's fine if men want to get together and and grow and encourage each other and women and kids. But if the family isn't in, engaged in living out their faith together on the mission of Jesus, that, that is a problem. Hmm. So um, it, it is, again, we looked at it and said, if we're to follow Jesus, we want to be able to slow down and rest like Jesus, eat with the people, 
that Jesus ate with, um, bless people like Jesus did, uh, share about our own brokenness and have home lives that, that are healthy. But it's as Stephen was saying earlier when we were not recording, it's up in and out. We're connecting with God. We're connecting with each other as a family. And we're going out into the world as good news. We're showing a picture of the kingdom. That's it. And I think I think that's the next thing for us to unpack as we mm-hmm. go forward, right? Mm-hmm. What is this? Okay, so we've talked about like the forgotten in a, in a way. We've talked mm-hmm. about like how we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And then it's like we've almost forgotten our mission. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I think as we go forward, that that'll be something for us to unpack. And, It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we we thank you, get, thank everyone for listening. Hope you're enjoying uh, our podcast, "A Fight Forgotten," and uh, we'll be back with more soon. Mm-hmm.